Good morning, church. My message this morning, I'm speaking to you on a title, Friends with God. Friends with God. And I want to start with a beautiful scripture that's found in Psalms 25 and verse 14. In the New Living Translation, it says, The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. So we're talking about being friends with God today. And here's a qualification of being a friend of God. God is a friend to those who fear him. So God's not just friends with anybody. He's friends with those who fear him. And he teaches them his covenant. You know, it's a beautiful thing we were singing before. God is a covenant-keeping God. But what's the point of having a covenant-keeping God if you don't know what his covenant is, what the blessings and the benefits are of that covenant? But God, when you're his friend, he teaches you the covenant. He teaches you what the blessings are, the things that you God has given to you to make your life everything that he intended it to be. This scripture, the Lord is a friend to those who fear him. If we read the same scripture in the New King James Version, it says, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. Okay? So God has secrets. Do you know that? But you know he doesn't want to keep them to himself. He wants to share them with his friends. So the secrets of God are not just shared with anybody. They're shared with those who fear him, with those who are his friends. In the NIV, if you read the same scripture, Psalms 25, 14, it says, The Lord confides in those who fear him. Confiding is when you share your intimate um, secrets or things that are important to you. You share your heart. That's what it is to confide. So this is what God does to those who are his friends. Now, how many of you here this morning have, have secrets? Huh? Yeah, I think most of us maybe have secrets. You know, it's not only bad secrets that you can have, by the way. You can have good secrets as well. It's just the kind of things that you don't, you don't say to everybody. Because, yeah, somebody who doesn't know you well, if you share something that is really precious and meaningful to you with somebody who doesn't know you well, they might laugh at you or they might even just, yeah, not appreciate the value that that thing has to you. But a friend, when you share with a friend, they will carry that secret with you. And they will, um, so we share our secrets with those we are intimately acquainted with. Those of you who are married, there are some things that your spouses know about you that nobody else will ever know. Because normally we're so close with our spouse that we feel safe to share in that kind of relationship. So, God is not everybody's friend. Do you know that God is not everybody's friend in church either? Yeah? You might be a believer. You might be a child of God. It doesn't necessarily mean that you are a friend of God. So, we're going to look at this morning. What does it mean to be a friend of God? How can I be a friend of God? Because all of us should be desiring to be God's friend. And if we aren't, if we haven't been, today we'll learn about it so that we can walk in the way and learn from the guys in the Bible that we're going to look at today. There's one guy in particular I want us to look at. Two guys, but the first one is Abraham. 
Abraham, the Bible says about him that he was a friend of God. Do you know three times in the Bible, both in the Old Testament and then also in the New Testament, the Bible refers to Abraham as the friend of God. What an amazing honor. What a privilege. What if um, when people referred to you, they said, oh, yeah, that's Hannah. She's a friend of God. Or, yeah, that's Jackson. We know Jackson's a friend of God. <laughs> I mean, what a distinguishing feature about Abraham's life. He was a friend of God. Not only did others say it about him, God said it about him. Abraham's my friend. What an amazing thing for God to say that. And we're going to look at a scripture um, about Abraham and see his lifestyle, how he related to God in the fear of God, because we're going to see, as we've read in this scripture in Psalms 25, that the fear of God is very cardinal if you want to be his friend. Genesis 22, verse 1 to 14. It's a long passage of scripture, but it's a beautiful story, and it's good for us to be reminded afresh of it this morning. So Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 to 14. It says, Sometimes, sometime later... God tested Abraham. Do you know that times of testing will come in your life as well? And the challenge will be, are we going to respond the way Abraham did? Well, God came to test him. He said to him, Abraham. And Abraham replied, here I am. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and he loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram 
and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place, the Lord will provide. So we see here, this is a powerful portion of scripture, and there's so many lessons we can learn from this. But I just want to point out first to start with here, verse 12, God said to him, now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld your son, your only son. So the manifestation of a man or a woman who fears God is that he obeys God. That is the first, that's a manifestation. If you say you fear God, the question then is, do you obey? Because God said here to Abraham, now I know that you fear me. Because he obeyed God right to the end. And what we see when we look at Abraham's life, he obeyed God instantly. Okay, if we look to the beginning of this scripture where we were uh, reading, um, when God spoke to him and said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, he even mentioned his name, so we shouldn't make any confusion. You can't swap him out with anything else. It's your son Isaac I want, the very most precious priceless thing that you have that's what I'm asking for and when God asked him we see straight away in verse 3 it says early the next morning why he obeyed he obeyed instantly he didn't wait and to consider to think "Mm, maybe I can negotiate with God maybe you know maybe if I don't do it maybe God will change his mind or let me consult my wife first let me speak with my friends and hear what they think maybe they can advise me maybe I didn't hear God's voice clearly no Abraham didn't do any of those things when God spoke he heard the voice of God and I'm sure he didn't like what he heard He didn't like it. Do you know Isaac was a son of promise? He had waited many, many, many years for that son of promise to come in his life. And when God finally brought him, he was like the culmination of all of Abraham's dreams. And God had told him that through Isaac, your offspring shall come. And it will be like the sands of the seashore. And the whole world will be blessed through your offspring. And now that promise from God, God is telling him to sacrifice that son. But he obeyed instantly. Very early in the morning, he got up and he went. Also, he obeyed God when it didn't make sense. I'm sure he tried to think, what, what, what is God doing? Why is God asking this of, his, of me? It didn't make sense. Who would think that God, after blessing you with a child, takes it from you again? That doesn't make sense. He didn't understand. And sometimes God asks things of us and we're like, "Mm, no, um, that doesn't sound like God because that doesn't make sense. Well, hello. (laughs) His ways are not our ways. Therefore, the Bible says uh, we should trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and not lean on our own understanding because our understanding is so limited. We do not know what God is up to. And if God asks something of us, our job to do when we fear the Lord is to obey him, even when it doesn't make sense. Abraham also obeyed God even when it hurt. Those of you who are mothers and fathers in here, Just think for a moment if God asked you to offer up your child 
And by the way, some of you have more than one child. Maybe you could negotiate and give God one of them. But if you only have one child where all of your hopes and dreams are invested in this one child, and God says, give it up. The hurt. God, I, th- God, I thought you loved me. <laughs> I thought you gave me this son because you loved me. How? How? I mean, how do you understand that God would ask something so painful, such a huge sacrifice? God, I've got thousands of sheep. You can have all my sheep. You can have all my cattle. You can have everything, just not my son, God, not my son. But he didn't do that. He obeyed even when it hurt. And he obeyed even when he didn't see a benefit. What was Abraham going to get out of this? God, you get the sacrifice you want, and me, I'm left with nothing. My life is over. I'm old. I lose my son. There's no time to get another son. What's going to happen? He didn't understand. It didn't make sense. There was no benefit in it that Abraham could tell, and yet he obeyed. Why? Because he feared the Lord, and he was so quick to obey. Not only did He obeyed when he didn't see the benefit, but also he obeyed to completion, okay? Sometimes when God asks us to do something, we go halfway and we think, is this good enough, God? Are you happy now? But when God asks something of us, we should go and obey to completion when we fear the Lord. You know what? God tested Abraham. It took three days. Can you think of that? Three days from when he loaded the donkeys and went with his son and the servants, and they went to Mount Moriah. For three days, he's walking on that journey, and I'm sure in his mind, it's going through his mind, and he's thinking, God, maybe I misheard you. Maybe I misunderstood you. Maybe you didn't really say what you did. God, speak, 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 confirm. God's quiet. God's not saying nothing. And he's battling in his heart. He's battling in his mind. And he's like, God, God, I don't understand. But he's calm on the outside. And he tells his servants to stay behind as he goes up with, um, with Isaac up on the mountain. I wonder sometimes what might be the reason. I'm guessing maybe he could have been overpowered by the servants. They might have, might have thought that their, their, um, their boss was, getting, was going mad. No, he's lost his mind. Let's save Isaac. He didn't want anything to stand in the way of his obedience to God. And he told them to stay behind while he went up with his boy. And you just wonder what goes through that father's heart where his son asks, God, um, Dad, where's the sacrifice? Have we forgotten the sacrifice? Normally you bring a lamb with us. We haven't brought it. I wonder why Isaac waited three days to ask. Maybe he, he thought, well, dad's got a plan. Dad's got a plan. But now we're getting closer and closer, and it's still not showing up. Now Isaac asks, and his father calmly, I'm sure inside, his heart is so pumping wildly. But calmly he says to his son, he says, God himself will provide. How? Abraham had no idea how God was going to solve this one. He did not understand this, but he said to his son, God will provide. 
And when he went up there, and we saw there that when we obey, we do it to completion. Abraham went as far as building the altar, as tying his son and laying him on the wood and grabbing the, 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 the knife. And he's about to throw that knife in and kill his son. And right at that last minute, God intervenes. If God hadn't intervened, he would have killed his son because he was determined to obey God right till the end. What an amazing man. That's our father of faith, guys. What an incredible guy to follow in his footsteps. And then we see here, he said, the Lord will provide. Do you realize that up until this time, God had never revealed himself to anybody as Jehovah Jireh, the God who will provide. But God reveals his secrets to his friends. And there on the mountain, when God saw the fear of God in Abraham's heart, he says, this is a man whom I can trust. And God revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh, the God who will provide. When Abraham went up on that mountain, he just declared it. The Lord will provide. But he had no idea how God was going to do it. He just chose to obey his father. And as he did, as he obeyed, God came through for, with him for, with the answer. And there, the revelation of who God was as Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, became a reality in his life. God revealed that facet of his personality to Abraham. And he confided in Abraham and shared that, that about himself, about his character and his person with Abraham. And what a miracle that that ram was caught in the thorns and the thicket up there. But that was God's miracle that he came through. And you know, sometimes we claim God as Jehovah Jireh in our life. And that is his covenant name. It's his covenant name to us. But have we walked in obedience? Because there is an expectation on our part God is not your Jehovah Jireh. If you're going to live your life any way you want, you don't fear him, you disobey him, but now you're in need and you come and say, Jehovah Jireh, please give me. That's not the agreement. Jehovah Jireh reveals himself to us when we walk in obedience and in the fear of the Lord. Amen? So obedience is the mark of a man who fears the Lord. Okay. Good. You can take that one down. Let me just explain a little bit first. Okay. Now we, so Abraham was a friend of God. And one of the beautiful examples we see of that friendship between Abraham and God was the time where God, uh, it, uh, the Bible calls him the Lord, but it was Jesus who came down together with two angels and they visited um, Abraham and his wife Sarah and Abraham prepared a beautiful well his wife prepared a beautiful meal and they ate together and after the meal was over and the Lord and his um, and 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 uh, his two the pe two people who are with him the angels they were about to leave the Bible says in Genesis um, chapter 18 it says when the men got up to leave after having the meal with Abraham they looked towards Sodom and Abraham had walked along with them to see them on their way. He was escorting them. Then the Lord 
said to Abraham, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Remember, God confides in those who fear him. He shares his secrets with his friends. And Abraham was his friend. So God is saying, should I be hiding this from him? Then he said to Abraham, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin is so grievous that I've come down to see what can be done. And if it's as bad as it it sounds like, I'm going to have to judge them. Wow. Now Abraham is walking with the Lord there. He's escorting them along the road. And he thinks, oh, man, think, 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 what am I going to do? My nephew Lot is living down there in Sodom, and God's going to wipe them all out. And so he speaks to God, and he says to him, he said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked, God? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of 50 righteous people? Far be it from you for you to do such a thing, he says to God. <laughs> to kill the righteous with the wicked and treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you, God. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? This is Abraham talking to his friend and challenging his friend. And you can listen to this and think, mm, where's the respect now? Where's the respect? But you actually see it because when he speaks like this to God. God says, the Lord responds to him and says, yeah, Abraham, that's a good idea. If there are 50 righteous people, fine, I'm going to spare them. And then he thinks and he thinks and Abraham thinks and he thinks, what if there's less than 50? Oh, okay. And then he asks God again. He says, well, how about if there's only 45? But it says in verse 27, Abraham spoke up and said, Now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes. What if the number was less than 40, less than 50? So here we see from this scripture that Abraham, though he's negotiating with his friend, he's talking to God. He's still got a recognition of who God is. And he says, though I'm as bold to speak as I've done now. Though I'm nothing but dust and ashes. He recognized his position before God. He was just dust and ashes and yet God was his friend. So he speaks boldly because God is his friend. And there's this negotiation that goes on between the Lord and Abraham. Until Abraham brings a number from 50 all the way down to 10. And the Lord agrees with Abraham and says, Abraham, for you. Because you have stood in the gap and interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah. If I find 10 righteous people in the city, I will spare them. But as we know from Scripture, when God went down to see and check, there was not even 10. Lot was there, and the Bible calls him a righteous man. But there were not even 10 people in that entire, those two cities. And so God destroyed them by raining sulfur and fire down and destroying them. We read in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, it says, If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless 
Here, I want you to notice what the scripture says here. It says that Lot was a righteous man. Can we see that, uh, the one with Lot and Abraham again? Okay, so I've put these two guys up here because we've got Lot here on one side and Abraham on the other. Abraham actually is the uncle to Lot. And we read here in 2 Peter chapter 2, it says that Lot was a righteous man, right? Okay, so here we have Lot, and he's a righteous man, and we have Abraham over there, whom we also know to be a righteous man. Maybe if we use it in more modern terminology for today, both Lot and Abraham were saved, believed, born again. That's what we could call Lot. He was somebody who feared the Lord. And yet, Lot was clueless. He had no idea that God was about to destroy the city that he lived in to rain down his judgment upon the city. He had no idea. And here we have another righteous man over here. He knew the thoughts of God. He knew God's plans because he was a friend of God. And God shares his secrets with his friends. He confides in those who fear him. Okay? So this, you see an example of two different we can call Christians if we want to call in our context today. And here in church today, also, we have people who are friends of God, that God confides in and shares his heart with. And then there's others. They just, well, they've received him as their savior. But is he also your friend? Do you fear him? Do you walk in the fear of God and obey him so that God can trust you and share his secrets with you? Because God wants to share his secrets with you. We live in a time and a season that there's a lot going on in the world. God wants his church to be aware of what his timetable and what he's doing is. But he's not going to reveal that to us unless we are his friends. Unless we walk closely with him in the fear of God and in obedience to him. Because Abraham stood in the gap for Lot and interceded on behalf of him, the Lord sent the messengers, the angels down to warn Lot, and he escaped out of Sodom and Gomorrah without, just before God brought judgment. So his life was saved, but God has such a, had such a higher calling on his life than what he lived up to. And I wonder in our lives as well, you know, many of us, we just settle. I'm saved. That's good enough. And we try to like stay as close to the world and the things of the world as we can without stepping over in. We kind of stick our foot in back and forth and we got the other foot in the kingdom. And we kind of stay as far out to this line as we can and just dabble in the world all the time. And that's where Lot was living. And it's not a blessed place. It's not a blessed place to be. God wants us to be in that place where we love him. We're passionate for him. And we have, as the Bible says about Jesus, he delighted in the fear of the Lord. He wanted to um, bring joy to the heart of God more than anything else. That should be our desire. I just want to talk about Moses briefly because he's another friend of God. There are many friends of God in the Bible, okay? And uh, we'll be looking at some of the other friends of God in some of the coming weeks in this series. But I just want to mention Moses quickly because in Exodus 33 and verse 11, the Bible says about Moses, the Lord would speak to Moses. This is Exodus 33 and verse 11. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face. 
as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to camp. So God, the Bible speaks about Moses, that God was his friend, and they spoke face to face. The Israelites worshipped God at a distance, but Moses met and spoke with God face to face. What a privilege, what an honor. And this was before um, Jesus, the new covenant, where our sins are forgiven. So it's an amazing privilege that Moses had. But because we're in the new covenant now, where Jesus has taken our place and he's broken the dividing wall that has kept us apart from God, each and every one of us are invited to be friends of God, to walk closely with God, to speak to God face to face like Moses did. And yet many of us stay at a distance. Psalms 103 and verse 11, uh, 7, 103 verse 7, it says, God made known his ways to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. So there's a difference here between the relationship that God had with Moses and with the people of Israel. The Israelites knew about God because of his acts, the things that he did. But Moses knew him more intimately. He knew that he knew the ways of God. He knew the person of God, who God was, because he was a friend of God. And that's what he desires for you and me this morning as well. When Jesus called his disciples to follow him, right back when they were fishermen, and he came and he called one by one to follow him, he didn't immediately disclose his heart and his most intimate um, um, secrets with them. But they grew to know each other very well. Over three years, they moved together. They, they slept together. They ate together. They ministered together. And they grew a very close bond with, between Jesus and his disciples. And over time, Jesus progressively revealed himself to them. And eventually they came to a place where they had the revelation that Jesus was the Son of God. And when that came, and they came to that place, this was towards the close before Jesus was going to the cross. In John chapter 15 and verse 15 it says, I will no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Okay? So the disciples didn't start off best buddies with Jesus. They started off as servants. Because servants don't know what their, their master is busy doing. They just follow his orders. They don't know what he's doing or what he's thinking. But a friend is someone who's close, who knows the Father's business. And this is what Jesus said to his disciples. No longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. Because I've shared everything that my Father has made known to you. So when we first become believers, when we come to know Jesus as our Savior, we don't start off as best friends with God. But as we grow progressively in our relationship with God, First, God treats us as servants to protect us. But when we're established in who we are and who God is, then God brings us close. And he wants us to be his friend. 
John 15 and verse 14 says, You are my friends if you do whatever I command. Do you see that little if in the middle? You are my friends if you do whatever I command. So there's a condition to being friends, like I told you in the beginning this morning. It's not automatic that we become friends of God. Friendship with Jesus is conditional on whether we obey him or not, if we follow his commands or not. That means that we, if we fear God, we tremble at his word, just like Abraham did. When God spoke, he did everything he could to obey instantly and fully. If we have that same attitude that we tremble at the word of God, and when God speaks, we obey the same way that Abraham did, truly we make ourselves, give ourselves the opportunity to be a friend of God. Because Jesus passionately wants to be everyone's close friend. But you decide how close you want to be to him. Friendship is not something you can force. It's a two-way thing. Yeah? If you have a good friend, it's because that friend wanted to be your friend too. You know, if it's only one of you who wants to be friends, it's not good enough. It's got to be both of you. So God is offering, Jesus is offering this friendship to us. But it's up to us if we want to draw close. In Luke 6, 46, the Bible says, Jesus says to the people, Why do you call me Lord? Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? So it's very important to God that we don't only call him Lord by word of mouth, but by action. Do we do what he says? Because why do we call him Lord in our life if we don't obey him? And if we start obeying him and following him and being obedient to him, he will draw us closer as a friend. You determine the level of your relationship with Jesus. Have a think on that for a moment. It's not up to God. It's you who determines the level of your relationship with Jesus. Can I ask the worship team to come up? <laughs>